Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 11 to 1 on LMFM. LMFM. It is time to return to our regular word foolery where author Grace Tierney from Stamullen brings us interesting and entertaining origin stories behind words. And this week, as it's Christmas, we are focusing on festive words. Now, we already gave out our unusual word, jingle brains, and lots of messages coming in. We'll get to them now in a second. And Grace has some food and wine themed words to discuss. And she's on the line with me now. How are you doing, Grace? I'm doing very well. Happy Christmas to everybody first. Yes, happy Christmas to you as well. And I'm getting lots of messages. I'll give you a flavour of them here coming in on 086-1800-658. And just to remind people, I'm feeling very generous, Grace. I have Breaking Point by Adele Coffee, which is the most gripping debut of 2022 to give away, plus the selection box for anybody that enters this, right? So people are saying, um, does Jingle Brain uh, mean that you're on Christmas festive mode? That's coming in from Kate in Carrick Macross. Uh, she says, Merry Christmas to, your, to yourself, Grace, there. I think Jingle Brain is somebody who's obsessed with all things Christmas says Christine and Kells uh, it's also when you get a song stuck in your head says Catherine Boylan uh, Olive is saying someone who prepares for Christmas all year round oh Santa's little helper has been on Where we here in the workshop in the North Pole have jingle brain all year round it's when the Christmas songs are in your head at all times that's coming in from Santa's little helper who tells us that it's only 10 more sleeps to go so that's uh, panic inducing Santa's little helper thank you so much for that and uh, somebody else saying which is my favourite so far. Jingle Brain is the content of Rudolph's Head, which I just think is lovely. It's great. I love that one. I, I love that one. <laughs> Keep them coming in to us 086-1800-658. All will be revealed very shortly. But first up, um, our first word today, because I think this, this guy is probably the main event after Santa Claus. He's the star of the show. It is the turkey. What can you tell us about turkey? I had to do turkey. I know not everybody eats turkey, that's fine. <laughs> but turkey was the one that had an interesting story. Um, they go way back, uh, but we haven't really drawn them into popularity until much more recent times. So there's quite a history for these guys. Um, so geese was actually served by uh, Greeks, Vikings and English at winter feasts until the mid-1900s. So turkey is actually relatively recent as the popular choice for the Christmas feast. Um, and some people think that the switch began in 1843 when Charles Dickens published A Christmas Carol. And that book had a huge influence on Christmas history. Of course, and yeah. As I think everybody knows, but it does depict Scrooge giving a turkey to Bob Cratchit's family, um, which was a really generous gift. Even in the 1930s, a turkey would have cost more than a typical week's wages for mm-hmm. a worker. Huge money, if you think about it now. Yes. Like we don't, I mean, they're still, you know, 
they're a little bit more than a chicken, but still, they're not to that level. Um, but the final move uh, from Turkey, uh, from goose towards Turkey, happened with the end of World War II rationing, the rise of home refrigeration. Um, but in Ireland, that was actually a little bit later because uh, raising a goose for Christmas was actually quite a widespread uh, custom, even in the 1960s. So, you know, it, you can have whatever you want. I'm not prescribing, but uh, it has changed over time. There's two quite cool uh, names uh, for Turkey and the, the origin of that. So there's an English-centred one and an American one. The English version goes like this, that turkeys were imported to England from the North America, where they're native, on ships owned by merchants from the Ottoman Empire in the 1520s. So it does, you know, we've had them for a long time. And these Turkish merchants lent their country's name to their birds. So mm. it was called a turkey bird and then became a turkey. That's the English version. Then the American version says that when Europeans first encountered turkeys in the New World, they thought they were guinea fowl, uh, what we would not now call guinea fowl, which they'd seen imported to Europe under the name turkey cock because the sellers were from Constantinople, modern-day uh, Istanbul in Turkey. And the North American bird thus became an Indian turkey or a turkey fowl, and again, over time, became turkey and the centrepiece of Thanksgiving, etc. But either way, turkey is named after turkey, the country. Fantastic. But then there's a fun twist. I love this one. Turkeys also lived in South America, the, the animals. And the Portuguese word for turkey is Peru, which probably gives the country Peru its name. So we have the country turkey giving its name to a bird and then the bird giving its name to another country. <laughs> I love that. That is brilliant. How twisty is that? Like, that seriously, is... I was going around in circles trying to make sense of that. <laughs> that is very cool. So when you took into your turkey you know, on Christmas Day, you can just think of that lovely story and think of the journey that it has come all the way from the Ottoman Empire. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so getting to the next one, and again, this is another kind of festive food, chestnuts, and it was Chestnut Day quite recently, and there's a song about roasting chestnuts and all that kind of thing. So what can you tell us about chestnuts? I didn't know there was a chestnut day. That's quite cool. Yeah. I, I quite like chestnuts, personally. And obviously, they're the classic roasting over an open fire, which is a line in Nat King Cole's uh, 1946 song, which was imaginatively called Christmas Song. Um, they also have plenty of history. So they've been popular since Greek and Roman times, and they give us the word via French. Uh, they're ready to harvest from early November and hence get included in Christmas feasts. An awful lot of what's on your plate at Christmas is incredibly seasonal, which is great. Um, there are two types of chestnut tree in Ireland and only one is edible. So if you're interested in foraging, be careful. Okay. Conkers are not edible. Horse chestnuts will not make you feel very well. So please don't eat those. But there are edible chestnut trees and they have a much spikier nut casing. And then inside there's about six teardrop shaped nuts inside. So they look totally different. These are actually quite rare, although I have found a few near to where I live, which is interesting. But probably easier to just buy them in the supermarket. Chestnut trees can actually live up to 700 years and they once covered 50% of the tree coverage on the east coast of America. So basically, you couldn't walk anywhere without meeting a chestnut tree. They were hugely popular. They were roasted on every street corner and for nearly a century, that was the smell of Christmas if you were in America. Then sadly, in 1904, there was a tree blight on an imported tree brought into the country and it basically wiped out most of the chestnut trees and now the nuts have to be imported. Oh, and I didn't realise 700 years old as well. Oh my God, that's absolutely a huge length of time for for, yeah. for chestnuts to be knocking around the place. Wow, interesting, interesting. Um, okay, so this is my favourite uh, part of Christmas is enjoying one, one of these. Uh, it's the mince pie and I love it kind of even now in the run up to Christmas. What can you tell us about this one? 
Well, I'm going to I'm going to ask you at the end whether you obey the correct traditions for eating your mince oh. pie because there's two quite cool customs for those, which I think is more an English thing, but they're kind of interesting if you want to do them. Well, if it's so, slathering the whole thing in cream, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be the Irish way. We like our dairy. Uh, no, mince pies have changed names multiple times. They've been banned. They've been eaten by kings. And there's a couple of unusual traditions about how to eat them. So they enter English around 1600. But historians, food historians, believe that they are much older, that they date back to crusaders returning from the Holy Land and bringing with them the oriental spices of cinnamon, clove and nutmeg. The pies at this point were oblong rather than round, and they were meant to be a reminder of the manger at Christmas. And the three eastern spices symbolise the three magi from the east, three wise men. The contents at this point were likely to have been meat, and it wouldn't have been unusual to put those spices with meat at that point. It's not something we do nowadays that mm. much. Um, during the medieval period, then, the contents of the pie became more elaborate, with some recipes listing meat, ginger, boiled eggs, and fried fruits as ingredients. And a boiled eggs in a mince pie. What's going on there? That's scandalous. Yeah, no, no. Pie makers were very brave back then. And the whole mixing of sweet and savoury was very fluid in the Tudor period. So the meat would have been things like partridge, pigeon, hare, rabbit and offal, which just sounds lovely. Lovely. Um, <laughs> they were renamed as Christmas pies at okay. that time, which I think is quite a good name. And they were hugely popular. They were served by King Henry V at his coronation in 1413 and by Henry VIII at his big Christmas Tudor feast, which I think we all have an image of. Um, but then subsequently, when the monarchy fell, they were banned by Puritans because they were too decadent. But they were still served in many homes, uh, presumably Catholic homes, uh, but they became known as secret pies. Mm. With the restoration of the monarchy, the pies crept back onto the menu with a different size and a new name, which was a wayfarer pie. But by 1662, we know they were being called mince pies again because Samuel Pepys, uh, I hope I said his surname right, wrote a very famous diary, covered the Great Fire of London, etc. He was disappointed to have to settle for a shop-bought pie as his wife was unwell and unable to cook him a homemade one. This is probably the earliest written reference to a shop-bought mince pie. Mm. He's complaining, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pity about him, yeah. And the two traditions on how to eat it. So the first is a mince pie should be consumed in silence. This is probably from the days of the secret pies during the puritanical ban. The second tradition is that you make a wish when you eat your first mince pie of the season and that it is good luck to eat one mince pie for each day of the 12 days of Christmas, thus ensuring good fortune throughout the coming 12 months of the year. Oh, you see now. I'm going to stuff my face, but I forgot about the wish and I definitely don't eat it in silence. So <laughs> I don't think anybody Irish eats it in silence. I don't think we're able to. We're too busy I Alan. love that though. I'm going to remember that because I thought the pudding wish was the only thing that was kind of associated with wishing and food at Christmas time. But I love that idea and I'm definitely going to adopt that in uh, next year because it's too late for this year. Uh, but thank you so much for that. Grace, we better put them out of their misery because uh, this, um, this is a great one coming in on 086-1800-658 for Jingle Brain. Sinead, I think it's when you do something stupid at Christmas, like put the carrots in the toilet and toilet roll in the fridge because you're not being mindful and your brain is jingling with all you have to do. I would have done like stuff like this in the past and called it baby brain or mammy brain. It says <laughs> Grace, I think, and Doc has given us that one. Brilliant. I love it. What What is jingle brain? Tell us. Jingle brains. I, I liked the one about zombies that perhaps what they eat for Christmas dinner. They would like jingle brains. It would be festive feast. Um, it's none of those, I'm afraid, lads, but I think we could adopt all of them. I think they sound great. Um, I found this when I was researching Jingle Bells. Apparently in the 1700s, it was slang 
for a wild, thoughtless or rattling fellow. None of us got it right. Yeah, it's not remotely festive, but I love the word. I think we need to use it for other things. Yes. All the things that they said. Oh my God. So tell me that again. So it's a, it's the full description of it. So it's 1970s slang, sorry, 1700 slang, apologies, uh, for a wild, thoughtless, rattling fellow. A wild, thoughtless, rattling fellow. Well, that's no. Well, hang on a minute now. Somebody did say it's people. Lead, <laughs> I think it's what our government have leading our lovely country. Yeah, <laughs> you can, a good choice of words uh, of a sentence there, Hillary. Yeah, there's a pack of jingle brains running the country. Love it. That's that's a good way of putting it into a sentence. Oh, Grace, as always, thank you so much for bringing fun and entertainment to eleven to one every month. We wish you and the family a very happy Christmas, and please God, we'll talk to you again in the new year. Uh, thanks very much and the same to you and all your listeners have a great one thanks a million Grace Tierney she has some fantastic books that are available still if you want uh, that last minute Christmas gift words the sea gave us words the Vikings gave us how to get your name in the dictionary you can check out all the details wordfoolery.wordpress.com 11 to 1 on LMFM Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.